0: Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this great opportunity to come together and just to fellowship and to read your word and to study. We ask your spirit to guide and lead us as we open your word and and show us what you would have us to learn from all of this. In Jesus' name, amen. Judges, chapter 20, uh, continuation of the story from chapter 19. And remember the story from chapter 19 was that this Levite and his concubine ended up uh, going to the city in Bethlehem or excuse me, in Benjamin and the men of the city wanted to have him come out of the house so they could know him. They ended up putting his concubine out and, and his concubine was abused and, and raped so viciously that she died and we ended our story last week with him cutting her up into uh, 12 pieces and sending it out with the message, what are we going to do about this uh, atrocity in Benjamin? So that gets us up to speed on where we are. There was a lot more in that. So if you don't remember, reread the chapter 19. (laughs) So chapter 20, verse 1. Then all the children of Israel went out, and the congregation was gathered together as one man from Dan, even to Beersheba, from the land of Gilead, unto the land of Mizpah, The chief of all the people, even of the tribes of Israel, presented themselves in the assembly of the people of God, 400,000 footmen that drew the sword. Now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were come down to Mizpah and said unto the children of Israel, Tell us, how how was this wickedness? And the Levite, the husband of the woman that was slain, answered and said, I came to Gilead that belongs in to Benjamin I and my concubine to lodge and the men of Gilbeah rose against me and beset the house round around about me that night and thought to have slain me and my concubine have they forced that she, that she is dead and I took my concubine and cut her in pieces and sent her throughout the country for the inheritance of Israel for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold. You are all children of Israel, give here your advice and counsel. All right, so he sends this, he cut he up his concubine, sent her out with a, basically the request, what are we going to do about this? As he would have said, sin in Israel, this huge issue, because remember, God had said that they need to deal with sin and, and purge sin out of Israel. And whether he did it for the right reasons or wrong reasons, we, we covered that last week, we don't, we don't know. It might have been a mixture of both but he's saying we need to deal with this sin. And it says the people gathered. And this is the first time since we've seen them come into the promised land that they've come together as one in the scriptures, okay? They've had certain battles where they've, you know, kind of joined one or two tribes, but this is the first time where it seems that everybody has come together because this to them is a pretty serious issue, okay? Uh, he's, he's, calling the, he's calling them out for the homosexuality that they wanted to commit, and for the rape and the murder, and the fact that you couldn't lodge overnight. And remember, we said in the Middle East, especially at that time, and even today, uh, especially with the Bedouin tribes, if you go to somebody's tent or their house, even if they were an enemy, they were required to take you in overnight and treat you as an honored guest and protect you. Now they could kick you right back out in the morning, but so here he's saying, I stayed the night and they didn't even have the common decency of the people in this, area, you know, in the, uh, the, of the customs and traditions to be kind. Okay, so this is a serious issue as far as everybody's going to be concerned, not just the sin, but just they violated custom, they violated the, the law. And here they are. And it says, All the chief of the people came together. And in verse 2, it said, 400,000 fighting men show up. This is a lot of men that are planning to go against one city. (laughs) Okay? And not really even a huge city. Okay? He bypassed Jerusalem, which is not Jerusalem at that time you know to go to this city in in Benjamin because it was a smaller city but it was a ch- city full of Israelites and so they gather four hundred thousand fighting men to take revenge against this city and uh, pretty big deal the, verse three says now the children of Benjamin heard that the children of Israel were gone up to Mizpah, and then said the children of Israel tell us what how was this wickedness okay you, you sent us this short short discourse with the with the, with the uh, cut up concubine, I don't know what to call it the, the pieces of the concubine and he says, now tell us what exactly has happened okay because this sending out of, the, of this was a call. I mean it was saying this is serious. this is not I'm not just calling you to battle or anything, but this is serious. We've got a big issue that needs to be so and he gives them, the same story I went I went into Gilbert and it belongs to Benjamin I am my concubine to lodge and the men of Gibeon rose up against me and beset the house around about me by night and thought to have slain me now this is not quite what was said in the previous chapter okay now he might have figured that he should have been slain if they if they had raped you know did a homosexual rape But the purpose was not necessarily to slay him, it was to, as it said in the previous chapter, know him or have sex with him in a homosexual activity. Okay, And he goes, they came to kill me. So he's changing the story a little bit. You know, I don't know how many times any of you have tried to solve problems, but it's an amazing thing how people, when they tell you the story of the problem that they have, they always change it so that they look a little better. Okay? They don't tell you what they said or did. They tell you only about what was done, and usually they in, uh, add to it, and embellish and enhance it so that you, you sound bad, and they, you know, or they sound really bad, and you sound good. But he's changed it here. Okay? They came out to rape him, and he says they came out to murder me. Okay, a little bit different now. He probably would have wanted to die if they had done the rape, but I mean, here we have a change in the story just a little bit, and he says, "My concubine, have they forced that she is dead?" Now he doesn't. She was raped. No, yeah, he doesn't say that he put her out there. No, he doesn't tell her that he put her out there. That he he sacrificed her yeah. for his own skin. Uh, and again, we talked a lot about that last week. You know, I just don't understand how, the logic of let's sacrifice one person so that that I can live does not does not make sense to me. It's not biblical. It's not godly. That is the way the world thinks, which tells us where this Levite is. This, this Levite is a very uh, worldly man. Remember, he spent uh, five days at his father-in-law's house party, and every day so, so it, and they started early in the morning and went so late that he couldn't couldn't start his trip. So. Uh, his parties were much more than just let's have a long breakfast, um, and so and it says and he says I took my concubine and cut her in pieces, and sent her throughout the country to the inheritance of Israel, for they have committed lewdness and folly in Israel. Behold, we are all children of Israel. Give here your advice and counsel. Okay, so he says, hey, we're all. You know, we're all the supposed to be Israelites. We follow God. These are rules involved on here, and they violated you know, lots of rules. He talks about lewdness, and I'm not sure if in this case he's talking about only the rape of his concubine or if somehow he had mentioned the fact that they wanted to commit sodomy uh, against him. Uh, but he says this lewdness, okay, serious sin, the things that our country and our world is going through right now of all the lewdness that goes on in our, in our world. And we're seeing it, and it's increasing, which gives us an indication, unless God does something miraculous in our, in our world, in our country, we are facing great judgment from God. And probably facing great judgment anyway, unless, unless the country repents. And I don't see the signs of it repenting. And here he's calling Israel, what are we going to do? All right, all you leaders, <laughs> okay, this is what's happened. They didn't follow the customs you know, of, of protecting us at night. They, they raped my concubine. They wanted to kill me, is according, to his, according to his current testimony. And he might have felt his life was in danger at the same time. He probably feel, felt that he was in danger if he'd gone out. Uh, so we have this. He goes, what, what do you think we should do, people? All right, verse 8. Then all the people arose as one man, saying, We will not, any of us, go to his tent, neither will we. Any of us turn again into his house. But now this shall be the thing which we shall do to Gibeah. We will go up by lot against it, and we will take ten men of a hundred throughout all the tribes of Israel, and a hundred, th- hundred of a thousand, and a thousand of ten thousand, to fetch riddles for the people that we may do when they come to Gibeah of Benjamin, according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel. So all the men of Israel were gathered against the city, knit together as one man. All right, what, did anybody notice the one thing they did not do when they made this decision? They didn't pray, they didn't go to God at all on this decision, all right? This is worldly wisdom coming up. These guys have been misbehaving. We're gonna, we're gonna make them pay. Uh, we're not gonna go to God. We're not gonna ask God whether we should. And they make, some, they make some vows, and they know that when you make a vow, it needs to be kept. Okay? Uh, it says, the people rose up and said, we will not, any of us, go to our tents, neither will any man turn into his house. So in other words, until this is fixed, none of us are going home. 400,000 foot soldiers plus probably officers and, and everything and the leaders, and they're making this pledge, we're not going home until this is taken care of, until this has been vengeance. Uh, And then, you know, but in verse 10, but now this shall be the thing we will do to Gibeah. We will go against it by lot. So they're going to draw lots or cast lots. Uh, This was to be understood that God controlled the lots. Okay, what they're going to do is draw straws, throw the dice, uh, pull names out of the hat, however you want to do it. It it was a randomizing element. They're going to go, you know, basically, they're going to say, "Okay, all the tribes are going to have their name in a hat." You know, and we're going to f- draw it out and figure out who goes. And the idea was that when you drew the drew the, the out of the hat, or however the lot was through the sticks or, you know, whatever whatever they did, that God controlled the results. All right, and you'll see lots being drawn all the time. Remember, when they s- separated the land, they did it by lot. They pulled the lots out and they and they split it out. Uh, we see that happening the the disciples when they decided they wanted to replace Judas Iscariot picked two names and said God which of these two people should we pick and they drew a lot and came out with Matthias and God said no I really haven't picked Matthias I've picked Paul okay God says fine you guys take your pick of your two but I have a third choice (laughs) and this is the thing about God sometimes uh, we, we come down with the best thoughts we can come up with and God says, no, those, aren't, those, those thoughts aren't my thoughts. Yeah. I, I have a third thought for you. <laughs> uh, so here they are. They're going to draw lots and decide who's going to go up against Gilead, uh, excuse me, gil Ibah. And then they say they're going to take one-tenth, basically one-tenth, ten people out of a hundred, a uh, hundred out of a thousand, a thousand out of ten thousand to go get food. All right, so one tenth of their their group, or in this case, forty thousand men, are going to go get food for the rest of the army, because they said we're not going back home. All right, probably chose those forty thousand by lot. <laughs> All right, uh, it doesn't say that they did, but probably chose them also by lot. You know, so one tenth of the people are going to go get food, so these guys can keep their word. We're not going home until this is dealt with and we're going to take one-tenth of us to go get food for the other. So go get food and, and be able to feed 10 people for everybody you, for all the food you bring. Uh, and then it says that we may go down, and when they come to Gilead of Benjamin, according to all the folly that they have wrought in Israel, so the, Isra- the men of Israel gathered against the city, knit together as one man. In other words, they are all deciding as a group we're going to deal with this situation now it is good that they want to deal with this situation they're going about it without any kind of mercy without any kind of representation but remember how did we start this to uh, at the beginning of chapter 19 and the previous chapter at this time there was no king in Israel people did what was right in their own eyes so they're getting out and they're going to go we're going to take care of them we are going to punish them there's no king to to try to find out what the bottom line is. This is classic vigilante justice. We have one side of the story, and we are going to bring justice here. And whether right, wrong, or anything, and, and their justice is going to be swift and harsh. And unfortunately, usually, vigilante justice is just that, swift and harsh. And it may be justified in one sense, but you know, one thing about vigilante justice is, God says, give them the trial. All through the scripture, they were supposed to go and have their trial. Okay, they weren't supposed to just go in and kill them. Even when we had Korah rebelling against Moses, Moses went to him and said, what is this that you have done and gave him a chance to repent? And when he refused to repent, God said, get away from him. Get away from his family. And God opened the ground and swallowed Korah and his family up and closed the ground upon them. Okay. When Achan committed the sin in Jericho and, and stole the gold and the clothes, the lots were came out and the first question was from Joshua, what is it that you have done? And he confessed, but he didn't seem to repent. Well, I, I really like the stuff, so I took it. And everything if you look at his story, there was no repentance in his in him, and so he was he was killed. And his whole family, probably because they knew about his hiding this stuff. So we look at this, all through the scripture, God says, are you going to come before God and let God give justice? Now God's justice oftentimes was harsh and hard. But people always had the chance to repent. And this is something they don't seem to be wanting to do so far. Okay, they're they're looking at just dishing out justice. And it's gonna be their justice. Remember, they they haven't prayed yet. They haven't consulted God yet. They haven't consulted the, 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 the priest or the Levites. Verse 12 Then the tribes of Israel sent men through all the tribe of Benjamin, saying, What weak, wickedness is this that has been done among you? Now therefore deliver us up the men, the men of Belial, which are in Gilead, that we may put them to death and put away the evil from Israel. But the children of Benjamin would not hearken unto the voice of their brethren the children of Israel. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities into Gile- Gileah and to go out to battle against the children of Israel. The children of Benjamin were numbered at that time out of the cities 26,000 men that drew a sword beside the inhabitants of Gile- Gileah, which were numbered 700 chosen men. Among all, the, huh? No, was 700. 700, yeah. This was, originally, there was gonna be 400,000 against 700. Okay, just a little bit more than they needed. Among all the people, there were 700 chosen men left handed, everyone that could sling stones at a fair breadth and not miss. And the children of, and the men of Israel beside Benjamin were numbered 400,000 men that drew the sword. All these were the men of war. All right, so here they are, they're going, they send representatives throughout the tribe of Israel, uh, uh, Benjamin. Okay. Basically, the comment is, hey, there's a real serious evil going on in Gibeah, okay? So we need to deal with it, and we, when they say, you know, there's a wickedness. What is this that has been done among you, okay? And because remember, it is in Benjamin's tribal area that this has happened. This is a tribe, a family of the tribe of Benjamin that lives in this town. and." You know, it shows you how big the town is because they only have 700, 700 fighting men. <laughs> so it's not a very big town. You know, maybe uh, uh, 1,400, 2,000 people, maybe 3,000 if they have lots of, you know, lots of kids. So we're not talking about a very large town, even by their standards. So, and it says, you know, there's this evil among you, deliver the men The children of Belial, and who remembers what Belial is? Anybody? Evil, Evil. men of of the devil, basically, or evil workers. So in other words, you're saying this city is full of evil workers, turn them over. And that we may put them to death. And put away, and here's their motive. We wanna put them away, in verse 13, and put away evil from Israel okay so they're quoting the right reason for doing this now I'm not sure why Benjamin reacts as strongly as they do maybe there's more sin in Benjamin than than just that one city uh, maybe it's just that we don't want to lose one of our cities that's a bit, pretty big deal uh, but they're saying you know we, we want to do this for the right reasons but again the point is they've never gone to God they have not decided to do a trial they're not going to hear the other side of the story now we know the story from before. We know that there is no other side of the story, but the people that are getting ready to do this vigilante justice, they don't know that there's, another, that there's no other side. Right now, they've only heard one side, and this is a problem oftentimes with us as Christians and just human beings. We often react when we only know one side of a story. Somebody will tell you, well, this happened, this, this, and this happened, and we get angry have you ever been angry at somebody you've never even met because you've listened to the somebody talk bad about them for so long you know and you don't even know the person but you're mad at them you're ready to rip them the shreds because you've just listened to one side of the story and when you and then you can feel embarrassed when you hear the other side of the story and go oh they weren't quite as pure as they were making it sound this is what's happening here now we know because we read the previous chapter we know there's no second side of the story but here the people haven't even been willing to give them the opportunity to give their defense. And that's wrong. You know, whether the person is totally guilty or not, they, desi- they deserve the chance to be able to present their side, of, their side of what's going on. And who knows what they would have said you know, to try to defend themselves, but they're not given this opportunity. And uh, but then it says in verse 14, but. <laughs> The big bet, big change in here. But the children of Benjamin gathered themselves together out of the cities unto Gil, uh, to go to battle against the children of Israel. The children of Benjamin were numbered uh, at that time out of the cities. 26,000 men that drew the sword beside the men of Gibeon, which were numbered 700. So we have 26,700 people to go against 400,000. All right? Just a little bit lopsided. <laughs> okay, eight to one, eight to one odds. Uh, so just a little bit of lopsided uh, battle here. But Benjamin is willing to go to battle for whatever reason. And I don't know why, again, I don't know why they're willing to defend this, this people. Maybe they don't believe the charges. They don't, they, don't, they don't think they're true. And you know what, we never get a se- section here that gives us any kind of defense on it. We never know why they went to defend defend them on this process, but they're willing to go and battle at eight to one odds to defend this town. So somehow they think they're justified. And I don't know how, <laughs> I really don't know how, but they're gonna think that they're justified. And then it says in verse 16, and among all this people, there were 700 chosen men left-handed Everyone could sling stones at a fair breath and not knits. This is kind of an interesting statement. I'm not sure why this is in here. Okay, they had guys that were left-handed that could throw a sling, and I'm not sure what the big deal out about being left-handed is and throwing a sling. Now we know if you remember way back at Ehud, when he came in, he was left-handed when he brought the gift in to the king, and when he was was frisked, they didn't check the opposite thigh because that's where he drew, he drew his sword from the right side, and they, they frisked the left side looking for him. And so he was able to bring a 18-inch you know, you know, dagger short, short sword in, and he killed the, the king who was fat and delivered Israel. So, I mean, it is kind of interesting they made this idea. These guys are left-handed, and they're so good that they don't miss. I'm not sure why in this state that it, that it is, and it could be just simply because when you went into battle, you were looking for somebody with their right hand swinging the rock and not their left hand, so they were going to be surprised. Because we're going to see that Benjamin wins a few battles. But they make this big deal out of these 700 that can, that can throw a sling with their left hand and not miss. And that probably is the most important part, that they don't miss. And I'm sure they never, they never missed, but in, in, in reality, they hit more often than they... You know, and they're obviously good. And like I say, it might be just that the people are watching the, left hand, uh, the right hand and these guys are coming from the left hand with a, with a rock because they're gonna see that they're gonna win some battles as they go out. Uh, and it says, and the men of Israel besides Benjamin were numbered to 400,000. So we have another repeat. 400,000 against the 26,700. So little lopsided, the children of Benjamin are going to decide to fight a battle. Verse 18, And the children of Israel rose and went up to the house of God to ask counsel of God. Aha, we finally get God being asked. Finally, after after the battle lines are drawn, they're getting ready to fight brother against brother, God is finally getting asked. Went up to the house of God and asked counsel of God and said, Which of us shall go first to the battle against the children of Benjamin? And the Lord said, Judah shall go first. And the children of Israel rose up in the morning and encamped against Gil... Gibeah, and the children of Israel went out to battle against Benjamin, and the men of Israel put themselves in array to fight against them at Gibeah, and the children of Benjamin came forth out of Gibeah and destroyed down to the ground the Israelites that that day twen- twenty-two thousand men, and the people, the men of Israel, encouraged themselves and set their battle again again in array in a place where they put themselves in array the first day and the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord saying shall I go up again t- to battle against the children of Benjamin my brother and the Lord said go up to them and the people came near again to the children of Benjamin a second day and Benjamin went forth against them out of Gibeah and the second day and destroyed down to the ground the children of Israel 18,000 men all these that drew the sword all right this is something that is very intriguing they finally decide to go to ask God's advice and God tells them to go ahead and go now one of the things we know about Israel and it's surprising to me that they ever went to the temple in this situation even or to the tabernacle at this point Because that's not been their case. They've been worshiping idols and and not following God, and God has to send judges to redeem you know to to restore them. And they go out and God says to go into battle. And I think it's because the question, shall we go? And he says yes, and you know, and who shall go with us? They're not asking God what to do. They're just telling God, we're, we want to do this, who shall, who shall go? And basically, I really do believe they were going to go to, again, to battle, whether God said yes or no. They were going to go to battle, so God said go. Many times as Christians, we will do this to God. God, shall I do this, or shall I do this, or shall I do this? And, we, and usually, they're all the same, same uh, shall I do's. Infrequently, do we go to God and say, God, what do you want me to do? I'm willing to do what you want me to do. Going back to the disciples, God, shall we choose Matthias? And I can't remember the other guy's name because they chose Matthias. You know, which, of these two, which of these two men are going to be the new disciple, uh, apostle, to replace Judas? And it wasn't, God, who do you want to replace them? But God, we, we have limited it down to the best of our ability. And we figure it's one of these two people. Which one do you, which one do you agree that it's going to be? And too often, we do that kind of thing with God. And I think that's what we're seeing here. They're, they seem to be asking the right question, but I think they were planning to go up against them regardless of what, what was said. So God said, okay, go. Let me teach you some lessons. And they send Judah. They send up Judah to lead. Now, why Judah? I'm not sure why Judah sent first. Uh, Judah is going to be the kingly, kingly tribe, the leader. Uh, remember, Jesus is from the tribe of Judah. David's from the tribe of Judah. Uh, so it could be just that God knows that they're going to be the leader so he sends them in first and says let them be the first one in they've got God saying go go ahead and attack and then they end up getting beat and they lose 22,000 men okay this means that each one of the tribe of Benjamin just about killed one man at least there's a lot of men lost you know 400,000 you know however many of the 400,000 went into this battle they lose 22,000 men and that's a big deal that it doesn't say that Benjamin lost any maybe it's a left-handed slingers slingers that really killed 22,000 I don't know major disaster that happens to them which is going to be very disheartening hardening to them they've gone before God and God said go attack and they have lost Probably because there is sin in the camp, and God's saying, "I'm not going to let this sin be victor—you know, this this activity of sin be victorious." Because remember what happened when Achan took the gold and the and the clothing, and they went up against Ai; they got beat, you know. And they figured, "We took Jericho; we can easily beat Ai." And they again did not go before God. In their case, they didn't even go before God, and they lost. When we try to do things in our own strength, God does not let our flesh work, whether it's individuals, or the church, or even a nation. If we're trying to do things in our own strength, God says, no. He is going to get the glory, which is why, if you remember the story that was mentioned earlier, Gideon. He came up with, he started out with 100,000 men against 200,000 men or whatever it was, and God said, no, you've got way too many men. Okay, 20 to one odds and you got way too many men. <laughs> and so he gets it down to 30,000 and God says, nope, you got way too many men. <laughs> so he finally gets them down to 300 and says, now now you're gonna know that it's me. God wants to make sure that he gets glory and very rarely will he ever do things that make it so that people can take glory in, in something themselves. If you've ever prayed for God's financial blessings because you really need money, that almost always is right at the last possible moment that you get the funds that he that, that he gives you. Why? Because he wants you to know it's him that provides it. Okay, because if it came too early, we'd go, Oh, look how fortunate I am. Uh, I got money in the bank. And we disconnect it with the need that we that has been provided for. And here we see this big army come in against them and God says, Okay, we're gonna let you get beat then in verse 23 the children of Israel went up and wept before the Lord until evening and asked counsel of the Lord saying shall we go up again again to battle against the children of Benjamin my brother and the Lord said go up against them alright so they're weeping but you know I don't see the word repentance here I don't see any repentance I don't see any sorrow again I'm not seeing any godly desire toward these people no mercy no grace Nothing. They're out to destroy them, and that's not the heart of God without giving them a chance to repent. Okay, and I think this is very critical. These, there should have been a chance for repentance because God is gracious. He always gives the chance for repentance. Remember when Jonah was told to go to Nineveh. Now he hated Nineveh. He wanted Nineveh destroyed. He didn't want to have anything to do with Nineveh. And his and his message was a real, really good one. Repent, you're going to be destroyed in, in, in 30 days. Okay, that was his message. And I'm sure the repent was not very loud. I'm sure you're going to be destroyed was the loud part. It was probably, repent, you're going to be destroyed in 30 days. <laughs> okay, uh, but the people repented and God delivered them. And when he griped and complained, God said, you don't feel any sorrow for a, na- for a nation of 120,000? A people of 120,000 souls. And he's going, nope, I don't. They're my enemy. I want them destroyed. You know, I feel sorry for Jonah. He really never learned his lesson on all of that. The people repented. He would, he had a great miracle, great revival, and did nothing but complain about it because he didn't want anything about that. He did not want them being being uh, protected or saved. He wanted them destroyed. They're Israel's enemy, and they're going You know, a couple hundred years later, Nineveh was going to be a a problem for Israel again. So Jonah was probably right, he wanted them destroyed. But God said, I care about these people. I care about people, I care about souls. And I think that's part of what God's going here. Did you even try to get them to see if they're gonna repent? Did you even go to them? And we don't see that. They go before God, they're weeping because they've lost 26,000 people and And they go, shall we go up? And God says, go. Verse 24, the children of Israel came out against the children of Benjamin the second day, and Benjamin went out the second day and destroyed down to the ground 18,000 men. So we've got 18,000 plus the 26,000. We've lost 44,000 men. About one-tenth, a little over one-tenth of the beginning army has been dead. And this is a serious issue right now. Okay, a big issue. They've lost a lot of people because Benjamin is, for some reason, winning. <laughs> all right, verse 26 Then all the children of Israel and all the people went up and came unto the house of the Lord and wept and sat there before God and fasted that day until the evening and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. And the children of Israel inquired of the Lord, for the ark of the covenant was there in those days. We're going to stop there for just a moment because now they have done the right things. Okay? Before they wept, probably because they lost 26,000, even though it doesn't say that, but probably because we just lost a bunch of people. This time they go before God and they offer sacrifices. Okay? And note the sacrifices that they offered were the burnt offering and the peace offerings. The burnt offering was for total dedication. Remember when we studied that? We're totally dedicated to God. And the peace offerings was that let's, we're going to offer these to God and, and glorify God and basically have a party. <laughs> okay? And, they've, and they came before God, and then it says they inquired of God because the ark was there at that time. Okay? Later on, the ark is going to disappear. All right? A little later on, when, when uh, Eli is reigning. They send the Ark out and and they go to battle against the Philistines and the Ark gets conquered, (laughs) captured. And their their belief was that as long as the Ark was in their presence, they were not going to be conquered. And if they sent it out to battle, it wasn't going to be conquered. So we have them finally doing what they should have done in the first place. So they were attacking the Ark of God around with them? This was the Ark of the Ark was in Shiloh, or Mizpah at this time. Okay, and they set up the uh, tabernacle and it stayed there. All right, and it's gonna stay there for a long time. Then it's gonna to go to Shiloh and stay there for a long time. And then David brings it to Jerusalem and Solomon builds the temple and, it, and it's put into the temple. So they once they got into the promised land, they kind of pitched the tent and just left it there. And then later on, it's gonna to move to Shiloh. All right, verse 28, and Phinehas, the son of Eliezer, the son of Aaron, stood before it in those days, saying, Shall I yet again go to battle against the children of Israel, my brother, uh, Benjamin, my brother, or shall I cease? And the Lord said, Go, for tomorrow I will deliver them into your hand. All right, so they finally do this right. They've offered the sacrifices of God, they've, out, they've committed themselves to God, and now they ask, and God says, Very clearly, I'm going to deliver them into your hand. All right. Before, they hadn't been doing it right. Basically, they're going, God, we're going to do this. And God knew they were going to do it, whether he said yes or no. So he said, go do it. And, and now this time, they've offered the sacrifice. They have fasted. They've offered the sacrifices and repentance and saying, God, we are, you know, we have sinned. We've done this. We've done that. And God says, go. And very clearly in this case, he says, I will deliver them into your hand. So we have a different statement here. It wasn't just go. This one is a promise of go and you're going to win. All right. Verse 29. And Israel sent liars in wait around Gilead, And the children of Israel went up against the children of Benjamin on the third day and put themselves in array against Gilead as the other times. And the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city. And they began to smite the people and to kill, as the other time, at the highway of which one goes up into the house of the God, and the other to Gibeah into the field, about thirty men of Israel. And the children of Benjamin said, They are smitten down before us, as at the first. But the children of Israel said, Let us flee and draw them away from the city into the highways. And the children of Israel rose up from their places and put them in array at, the, at Baal. Tamar, and the liars and way of Israel came forth out of their places, even out of the meadows of Gibeah, and there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men of Israel, and the battle was sore, but they knew not that evil was near them. And the Lord smote Benjamin before Israel, and the children of Israel destroyed of the Benjamin Benjamites that day 25,100 people, all that drew a sword. So the children of Benjamin saw that they were smitten, and all, and the men of Israel gave place to the Benjamin to the Benjamites because they trusted unto the liars to wait, in wait that they had set behind, and the liars in wait hastened and rushed upon Gibeah, and the liars in wait drew themselves along and smote all the city with the edge of the sword. And there, now there was an appointed sign between the men of Israel and the liars in wait that they should make a great flame with smoke rise out of the city. And when the men of Israel retired from in the battle, Benjamin began to smite and kill the men of Israel about thirty people, for they said, Surely they are smitten down as before. And when but when the flame began to rise up in the city, a pillar of smoke, the Benjamites looked behind them, and behold the flame of the city ascended into the heavens. And the children and the men of Israel turned again, and the men of Benjamin were amazed, for they saw that the evil was come upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel Unto the way of the wilderness, but the battle overtook them, and them which came out of the cities they destroyed in the midst of them. Thus they enclosed the Benjamites around about and chased them and trod them down with ease over against Gibeah toward the sun rising. And there fell of Benjamin eighteen thousand men, all that were men of valor. And they turned and fled toward the wilderness of the rock of Rimmon. Wim- and they gleaned of them in the highways 5,000 men and pursued hard after them into Gidom and slew 2,000 men of them. So that all that fell that day of Benjamin were 25,000 that drew the sword. All these were men of valor. But 600 men turned and fled to the wilderness unto the Rock of Rimon and abode in the Rock of Rimon four months. And the men of Israel turned unto the children of Benjamin and smote them with the edge of the sword as as well as the men of every city as as the beast, and all that came to hand also that were set on fire, all the cities that they came in, came to. All right, so here we have a battle. God said he's gonna deliver them. And we're gonna see a pretty bloodthirsty battle going on here, all right? Uh, they went out, They in verse 30 it said that they put, they went out, uh, 29. They put liars in wait, people for ambush. Okay, remember this was the strategy they used for AI on the second battle. They put people behind the city and along the sides, went in, pretended to pretended to get beat, started running away. They go, okay, we're we're beating them just like we did the last time. Same same battle here. (laughs) Okay, Uh, they've got these guys, you know, 10,000 men to go to be behind them. They go in, pretend that they're being beat again, and start running away. The only problem is they're pretending to get beat. It says they lost 30 30 people just pretending to get beat. Okay. People in ambush. They're hiding. They're hiding. They're hiding in the fields, basically, uh, all over the fields. And there's 10,000 of them, it tells us, that are going to be behind the lines. Now, they have plenty of people to do this with. All right. And they go up and... Verse 20, 31, and the children of Benjamin went out against the people and were drawn away from the city, and they began to smite the people and kill as the other times, and they, they're basically retreating. you know They're pretending. Okay, you beat us again. We're, we're, we're losing and we're retreating. And they're getting pretty bold, okay? We, look at this. We, we have, we're winning this battle. <laughs> we're going to keep following them. And they get further and further away from the city, and that means nothing is to their back. Before, apparently, they didn't leave the city. They stayed real close to the city. And here, there's nothing to their back. And the enemy seems to be retreating. And the children of Benjamin said, they are smitten down, in verse 32, as, as the first time, let us draw, and, they, and they let us flee. And they drew them away from the city and the highways. And then the children of Israel came out. The liars, the ambushers came out. And instead of going directly to the back of the Benjamites, they went into the city. This, this, if you remember, the battle plan for AI is the same exact thing. Okay, they drew the people of AI out, and then the ambush went into AI and conquered the city, set it set it aflame. This is exactly what they do. The the ambushers go in, destroy the city, put it put it to flame. And this was ten thousand in verse uh, thirty four. Ten thousand went into the city, and took the took the city and they started burning it and when they saw the, when the people saw the smoke rising up out of the city they decided okay we've let them out far enough they have no place to return okay and that's the problem their city that they would be able to flee back into is conquered the 10,000 now have the back door for the for the Benjamites they have no route of escape and all of a sudden Israel turns against them and this is where this big Numbers game is going to really play out, you know. Uh, no matter how many they've lost, there's still over 300,000 of them to turn around and fight. Uh, and they, when Benjamin saw that they were surrounded, they started. They started trying to run. All right. And mm-hmm. we we read through this. Twenty six thousand of uh, twenty five thousand six. Huh. 25,100 of them are going to die out of all of them that started. And it later on tells us that by the time they get done, there's only 600 men of Benjamin that are left alive. They almost wipe out the tribe of Benjamin. Pretty serious battle, isn't it? You know, To, to find out that out of the 12 tribes, there, one of them is almost completely wiped out because of this battle. You know, I don't know about ethnic cleansing, but it's, you know, this is the bloodlust that they have gotten. You know, they, they're going, we've come to punish this one town, and they end up almost wiping out the entirety of Benjamin. And if you count that last little bit, they go around to all the other cities and they destroy them. Okay, Benjamin, the tribe of Benjamin is being wiped out. Their cities are being wiped out. Their wives and families are being wiped out. And note there that it said their beasts are being wiped out. They are totally destroying Benjamin. And they seem to be doing this, I don't know. I didn't see God telling them go, go totally wipe out Benjamin. Okay, he said I'll deliver them and God's talking about the ones that are sinning, you know, not every single city in Benjamin. And yet Benjamin is almost wiped out through this battle. And we're going to see a little bit of repentance in the last part of this story, because we're going to continue this in chapter 21 to see how they're going to take care of it. Because they're going to make a vow as well that would totally wipe out Benjamin. But here we see they've conquered. And by conquering, they would have taken the women and made them made them slaves. and, and and booty as as, the prize of war. So these 600 men that are going to get away have nothing. They don't have a city, they don't have their families, they don't have their wives, they have nothing except their life. And so it's a pretty big big issue coming up. And then there's gonna be a vow that they're gonna look at in the next chapter that's gonna cause even greater problems for the children of Benjamin. So let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this evening. We thank you for this day. We ask you to just help us to always come to you for direction. Lord, you are the one that gives us the the way and you will give us the direction. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.